And welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you, Bill Jack from Worldview Academy with us. And we do open it up for comments, questions from our listening audience. Uh, please send in your cards and letters, comments and questions to host at generations.org. I don't know how you send a card in, but no. we'll accept nice cards. Yeah. Thank you, cards. Kudos. We like kudos. Uh, or ca- questions. Cash is better. Cash is better. Okay. (laughs) Right. This one from Larry. So we're going to hit a few of these today. There seems to be far too little discussion about many accoutrements and fashions associated with uh, certain rap lifestyles. Very few voices seem to be willing to ask whether such things could be repurposed in a way conducive with godliness. Um, And then he mentions a pastor with tattoos, facial piercings, earlobes, and cranial implants, which, I mean, that sounds kind of gross. Cranial cranial implants? implants. Don't don't get me started. Um, But uh, I certainly realize that there may be unavoidable consequences of some of the actions we engage in when we are unconverted. But in the case of this pastor, there certainly seems to be things that he could undo for the sake of coming out from among them, being separate or walking not as the Gentiles walk. I've been struck by the number of ostensibly mature men, Christian men, who seem oblivious to what their deportment unavoidably conveys, whether they are displaying the symbols for a former bad boy lifestyle or the symbols of an uber cool ladies man, they seem to have never studied semiotics. As our culture continues to become more and more post-Christian, I fear that those who are saved out of it will come with a lot of baggage that potentially could corrupt the church if the church does not become willing to speak to this issue. I can envision very real problems in the future. I'm concerned that come as you are may become stay as you are in regards to the issue. And that's been my concern in the past. The big come as you are, come as you are implicit in that stay as you are, you know, as if God's not going to transform anything. There's not going to be any transformation from the pagan culture into a Christian culture over a period of time. And I get that. That's good. It says, he gives examples. Is it possible that we will have converted neo-Nazis sporting swastikas, converted Muslims wearing kufis, and converted homosexuals continue to adorn themselves in feminine apparel, all because shepherds don't have the discernment or the backbone to speak to such issues? Okay, I get that. Now, of course, what's the objective for all of us but to equip the man of God for every good work and to disciple the nations by teaching them to observe everything Jesus has commanded, which usually turns out to be something of a process. And there's a bit of patience involved, and yet there is a all-in for, I think, any discipler. We need to be engaging with those that uh, are coming into the church. We also just need to be careful that we don't give way to a judgmentalism such that we're not addressing our own sins. At the same time, we're addressing everybody else's sins. So there are traps when you get involved in ministry and, and such things. Now, I think, number one, let's be sure that we have a firm grasp on the commandments of God. One good question to ask at all times is, are you breaking the commandments of God? Right. Now, it's not always easy to determine whether or not somebody is giving way to idolatry or if somebody is giving way to uh, some kind of licentiousness. They've watched you know, 14 R-rated movies. And why? You know? And, and, you know, they seem to really be attracted to those movies that are R-rated for all the wrong reasons as well. What's going on? What's the motivation? Are you, is your heart drawn into licentiousness? Are you drawn into the lust of the flesh, the pride of life? Are these the sorts of things that are drawing you in? What are you finding attractive here? You know, to me, the discipleship involves asking a lot of questions right. and getting to the heart of the matter. 
if we're just simply saying don't watch any movies and don't go with girls who do, uh, that's too simplistic. But we need to be discipling such that we're willing to get into it and getting into the right questions and not not being you know legalistic on the other hand, but not being shy, not shying away from the law of God or falling into the antinomian ditch on the other side. I, so know, two, we, we two should be willing to engage this. Two illustrations come to mind, two incidents. Once, one, when I was a kid, there was an evangelist, and I grew up in the holiness movement. So there, there was a lot of, a lot of, there was pretty, smacking pretty of strict l- on legalism. Pretty strict le- on yeah. externalisms. Yes, right. exactly. That's a great way to put it. And uh, he, he was an evangelist, and, and this guy came to Christ, and, and the guy had tattoos on his forearms which was unusual at that time, okay? And he was embarrassed by them. And he told the evangelist, he said, I, 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 I'm embarrassed by this. And, you know, it wasn't anything, you know, terrible or obscene. It was just a tattoo, right? And the evangelist said, don't be. He said, because when I get to heaven, I'm going to recognize you by that. You know, and that's the grace that's, that is exhibited to those who who are who come as they are, right? There's no way for him to at that time to remove those tattoos, mm-hmm. but it was it was a, a result of a of a reprobate life that he did it, and he was ashamed because it reminded him of that. And this evangelist wisely dealt with that. Just recently, I heard of a church, however, in the metro area, in which a couple, a homosexual couple, come and. One is dressed as a woman, and they bring a child, and the child periodically chooses to be a girl or a boy, and nothing is said to them by the pastoral staff. Yeah. That is the opposite of the grace that that evangelist extended to that young man who came and was ashamed of his tattoos. Yeah. The conviction on that young man is now the pride that we see in our sin being displayed by the externals in the church where they show up in dress, men in dresses. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem we face today. Yeah, it is. Is the, the, you know, there's the old song, sign, signs, everywhere are signs. You know that song? Yeah. Breaking my mind. Well, signs matter. Stop signs matter. Right. They mean something. They mean something. And so we have to ask that question. The first question, as you said, is what I'm doing breaking God's command? Is what I'm wearing? We would we would say, come as you are to the prostitute off the street to hear the gospel. But we would not leave her in her provocative attire. Right. We would sure. then counsel her and instruct her in the ways of, of a godly woman. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is the the danger that we face in the church, and that is we're not willing to address the externals because we're afraid of being charged with being legalistic. Well, semiotics is uh, something we want to define because it's all about about signs. And, and I think we need to understand signs. And this comes from Charles Sanders Pierce, who wrote on semiotics, defined a sign as something which stands to somebody for something. And he broke it down into an icon, which resembles its reference, such as a road sign for falling rocks. An index, which is associated with its referent as smoke is a sign of fire. And a symbol, which related to its referent only by convention, as with words or a traffic signal and such, things like that. Now, before I take the break, I've got an entire section on this in my book, The Tattooed Jesus. What would the real Jesus do with pop culture? 
And, you know, I mean, I think folks would do well if they would read this book. I, it's a simple book. It's only 130 pages or something like that. But we're trying to give a little bit of a structure of thought for these sorts of things. And here is um, a section of it. Now, some of my content is a little bit raw in the sense that I'm I'm going for the things that present themselves to us all around us. So here's an example. I caught a holy hip-hop music video on YouTube the other night. It happened to be one of the best recordings of one of the most accomplished Christian artists in the genre. However, I had a hard time paying attention to the lyrics because I was distracted by the vocalists who kept grabbing at their crotches for some strange reason. One of the musicians sported a floppy t-shirt bearing the word destroyed in big block letters. The symbolism kept getting in the way of the lyrics for me. This particular song received at least 2 million downloads, which was pretty impressive since the artist kept mentioning somebody named Jesus Christ repeatedly throughout. I kept thinking, which, which Jesus? Which Christ? Which Christ? Take the example of the youth leader who wanted to introduce some new pop symbol into worship. In modern youth culture, the lifting of one particular finger is interpreted as a rude gesture signifying sexual assault. The symbol is considered supremely offensive in civil society, but the youth considered it cool, especially in popular music concerts. Being that it was cool, the youth leader decided to introduce the practice into the praise and worship time. Of course, he felt that he was only robbing the Egyptians to borrow the symbol. Why not lift the finger and worship, he argued. After all, God has created all five fingers and called them good, and we have liberty to use any and all of our fingers in worship. For Christian leaders like this, all symbols, all music genres, and all human practices are legitimate in worship or at the concert hall. Yet most of my readers, even those who hardly embrace every form of musical expression as audiophora, things indifferent, would hesitate here for just a moment. Would it be honoring to God and to each other to use obscene gestures in a worship service? So that's, I mean, that's kind of a obnoxious example, but I think it brings out the point as as, and, as clearly as I can possibly bring out a point. And that's the point. We need to know what push, these things stand you, for. You push it to the absurd and then let the weight of reality crush false ideas. Right, right. You take it to its logical conclusion. And you just took it to the logical conclusion. I did, yeah, I did. And then reality, it's very obvious to people, oh, that's, not, that's not inappropriate. That. Yeah, what is inappropriate? Okay. We never do that. That's, uh, that's disgusting. You know, but, but It's appropriate for me to wear uh, a pair of trunks to the beach. Yeah. It's not appropriate for me to wear a pair of trunks to Sunday morning church service. Right. <laughs> it would get kind of a thing. Yeah. It's, right, exactly. And so there, there's this same kind of thing here. Well, I give a few other examples, but obviously food offered to idols is a big, big part of this. When Paul says all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient, he means that there are certain forms that belong in certain contexts. There's an appropriate time and place for everything. It remains for us to find out what the time and the place for all things are, and thereby to edify ourselves and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, To rightly apply cultural symbols, we must understand the principle of food offered to idols. When food offered to idols is sold in the market, the Christian has no scruples about purchasing the meat for $1.20 a pound. But if it happens to be sitting in the temple, where the sacrifice is happening, he must refrain from eating the meat so as not to send the message that he participates and condones the idolatry in the minds of the idolaters, the demons, or himself. Thus, symbols retain something of a sacramental significance depending on the situation and the existential perspective of those involved. What would my parishioners say if I were to roll into the church parking lot on a Sunday morning with a Playboy bunny prominently displayed on my rear window? No doubt some would interpret the symbol as my endorsement of the Playboy philosophy. However, a little African boy may end up getting a t-shirt sporting the Playboy symbol, but for this little boy, it's just a rabbit. It's lunch for him. The context establishes the association between the symbol 
and that which it symbolizes. Christians should exercise caution when handling certain brand names. For example, when Abercrombie and Fitch became singularly and widely known for their homoerotic and sexually explicit advertising, many Christians were hesitant to sport their, this company's trademark on their clothing and accessories. However, when a young Christian man begins to wear this clothing, what does it mean to him? Of course, he won't normally admit right off the bat that he supports homoeroticism on the first day that he associates himself with his edgy clothing company, yet it's hard to imagine that he doesn't absorb the homoeroticism or the sexual connotations in the seven-foot-high posters plastered on the windows of the store. All symbols mean things. All right, so that's an example. In other words, as Christians, don't be stupid, right? Yeah. Don't be stupid. you got to know what these things mean. Uh, temporary symbols are symbols where food are offered to idols. Temporary symbols can mean something to me, in which case I'm drawing in their meaning, conveying them to others. That's idolatry. But then there are temporary symbols that mean something to others. And I need to be aware that wearing a Playboy bunny on a T-shirt may not mean something to me, but it could mean something very much to everybody standing around me. Universal symbols as well. We talk about that. That's body piercing. That's uh, eating blood. That's cannibalism, things like that. And I've got an entire chapter on that in the book as well. But here's the point. Fundamentally, Bill, we need to be asking the question, what do we believe? What do you believe? Are your cultural expressions in line with the things you profess to believe? And oftentimes kids want to run after the cultural expressions because that's the trajectory of their hearts. They identify more with the cultural expressions of a nihilist culture and they've committed themselves more to nihilism than they identify with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the problem is they're not self-conscious about it. They haven't thought about it enough. And I think what we should do is press them on it. So I want two things. I want, number one, to press for honesty. Stop being a hypocrite. Admit to your worldview. Admit to your commitment to the world and the world's ideas and institutions. And then we'll call you to repentance. Or maybe just admit that you are a Christian and you embrace Christian ideals. In that case, press for a more epistemological consistency between the worldview and the cultural expression, and press for consistency within your worldview itself. Oftentimes, people subscribe to a worldview, a Christian worldview, but they're off in like six points, and they need to be adjusted. So there needs to be adjustment to their worldview such that they're increasingly self-consistent to their worldview. And then secondly, that there's epistemological self-consistency between the worldview and the cultural expression itself. If you believe in Christ and his resurrection, then act that way, dress that way, proceed that way. Are you yeah. with me? Uh, yeah, at uh, Worldview Academy, uh, for a number of years when tattoos became quite popular, and were becoming the cultural norm, I would get questions from students. They would say, you know, I'm thinking about getting a tattoo. What do you think? Part of it was just shock value. You know, they just wanted to see if I was shocked by that. And I'd, I'd ask the question, for what purpose? Well, I want to get my favorite Bible verse tattooed on, on my wrist. I said, oh, so you can't memorize it? Mm-hmm. And they'd say, well, I, I want to be able to, to, to show others that, that I'm a Christian. I said, so you mean you have to have a tattoo to show people that you're a Christian? It's and, kind of and, superficial, really. Yeah, and, really superficial. and pretty soon they, they'd say, well, I just want one. <laughs> right. Okay, and I'd right. say, now, now you're being consistent. Right, okay? right, right. Now we can talk about yeah, it. No, let's get back to the real reason. But, we can't yeah. get to it. Yeah. But it's, it, let's, let's, not, let's not spiritualize it. Mm. Let's not rationalize a decision. And that's just an example. Yeah. We yeah. do it all the time with everything that we do, with the choices we make. And you're correct. What we need to do is be consistent with our worldview, and nobody is. No, we all right, we have to short. be adjusted, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we we're, we're like the heading indicator on an airplane. 
you know, you have a compass and you have a heading indicator and you have to push this little button on the heading indicator periodically because magnetic north and true north are different. Mm -hmm. And you can get off a couple of degrees on a long flight and you'll land on a mountain rather than on a landing strip if you're not watching the heading indicator. So they, they balance each other. We have a compass, but it's, it's skewed. Okay. And, and the Bible is our heading indicator. We need to open it up and push that button periodically to bring ourselves back in line with the truth of God's word. And that's, our, that's how we guide ourselves through this world, because even our compass is off if we rely on our moral compass. There's a whole lot more to say on the subject. But friends, we're going to wrap it up at that point. Uh, I'd encourage you to this book, The Tattoo Jesus, What the Real Jesus Would Do with Pop Culture, as just a framework, an introduction to the subject. Uh, we, we do the best we can to present issues like tattoos, movies. What is What about country music, Eastern medicine, computer games, horror movies, fantasy, sports, superheroes, contemporary Christian music, hip-hop, Thomas Kincaid, Harry Potter, Jack Bauer, Sesame Street and the Hunger Games. That's that's a distribution of, of well, you, concepts. I, yeah, <laughs> you listed concepts. sports just shortly before the Super uh-huh. Bowl's coming on. Yep, yeah. yep. Good timing. Yeah. Good timing <laughs> to get the book, The Tattoo <laughs> Jesus, What the Real Jesus Would Do with Pop Culture, available at our website, generations.org or uh, kevinswanson.com. Either way, this is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.